Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast. It's week two. We are rolling on ahead. Nashville coming up here in just a few days. And it's been a pretty busy week. Um, just a day late on getting my podcast up. But uh, it's not going to disappoint. We've got Aaron Colvin. We talked to him. He's got some ties to Nashville that you may or may not have known about. And then also a good friend, Jim Wyatt who's covered the Titans since their very first season in 1999. It's his 20th year covering them. He now works for TitansOnline.com. He gives us an update on all the injuries there. Sure were a lot of them and some new additions to the team, including obviously head coach Mike Vrabel, Malcolm Butler, what the drama is with him. I tried to get into it with him, and uh, we talked a little bit about the Titans-Texans matchup. Both teams 0-2 heading into Sunday's game. It almost seems like a must-win situation that's all coming up on this edition of the deep slant podcast be sure to leave a review or like us on itunes tune in or stitcher and also you might want to check out bose the houston texans we spend countless hours prepping for game day that's why we rely on bose quiet comfort 35 headphones two to block out distractions and focus on what matters most powerful noise canceling technology it helps you do the same you can concentrate on your music your work whatever you're passionate about with the qc 35 wireless headphones too and i gotta tell you i use bose every single day when i'm at my desk i'm transcribing stories there's a lot going on i use them on game day Uh, if i'm on the sideline there's all these fans cheering bose are so comfortable they're the best as far as noise cancellation i take them with me on the flights you definitely want to check out more Go to www.bose.com slash Texans. Bose, the exclusive sound of the Houston Texans. All right, so let's get into this week's podcast. I caught up with Aaron Colvin, who signed here in the offseason, spent four years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then arrived here for a secondary that, you know, seemed seemed to be pretty healthy. And now, obviously, week one, Kevin Johnson goes on IR. Aaron Colvin is going to take on a bigger role, but first... Wanted to know more about the man. Obviously, he's come from Jacksonville. We've seen him twice a year. But what about him? You know, he's had quite an interesting path to the NFL. We talked about draft day disappointment. It was a little bit bittersweet for him. What he expected to happen, what actually happened, what went into his decision to come here with the Houston Texans, and then a little bit about his family life. Uh, You know, a lot of things have happened with Aaron over this offseason, and uh, we got right into that with this interview. Aaron Colvin, cornerback for the Houston Texans. I want to talk about your offseason because it was a, quite a busy one. Not only did you uh, join a new team, but you got married this offseason. Kind of crazy, right? Yeah, life is kind of – it was in a whirlwind at, at one point of time. But it's been good. It's been an easy transition. Has there been a tough part about moving to a new city or a new team? Is it getting around the city? Is it getting to know your teammates? Is it any of those things? Or were you just sort of prepared for it when the time came? Um, it was all all of the above. Um, there really wasn't just one thing that was that was tough. It was kind of just a combination of things, just being in a new city, um, new environment, new teammates, everything was just different for me. So um, there was j- definitely an adjusting phase to it. I know a lot of people have talked about what their factors are when they come to Houston. You probably have too, but how much was this pass rush an, a factor for you coming here? Or was it just the team as a whole? Like what sort of things did you look at when evaluating which team you were going to go to? It was really as a whole. Um, I don't think that the pass rush can can cover everything. So at some point in time, you need the secondary to be able to cover. Um, you need your middle linebackers to drop in their hooks and um, be in the right spots, and then you need the D-line. But, I mean, when you have guys like we have, it, it's definitely nice, and it definitely looks good on paper. So um, it didn't hurt anything. 
I was doing a little digging in your background, and at Oklahoma, you started off as a safety, and then you moved to corner. Now, we've had guys here do the opposite. They go from corner to safety, but not really having guys go the other way around. I would imagine that's a tougher transition to make. Yeah, um, it, it was different. So when I first got there, I was at corner my first year, and then my second Oh, you year, were? Okay. Yeah, then I, I moved to safety, and then I went back to corner. So I kind of seen all of it um, during one career at, at OU, but – um, I would say that going from safety to corner is harder just because of the uh, like some of the gymnastics you got to go through as far as covering a receiver. Gymnastics? And, yeah. yeah okay. It, and that's what it feels like. And um, at some point, you just got to say, screw it. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to lock up this receiver. And um, that's kind of how you get through that. I would imagine it helps in your game to, to have played both positions, though, being in the secondary. You understand what yeah. both both sides are supposed to do. No question. As a safety um, you have to be able to see the whole field, and you have to make a lot of checks and um, make a lot of reads. And at corner, you just have to uh, man on man and make sure your guy doesn't catch the ball. So um, there's definitely a big difference, even from the slot to outside. Everything's just different. So um, you have to be able to just adjust. That's what the NFL is. You have to be able to adjust. You seem like you work really hard. Um, your work <laughs> ethic, where where do you think you get that from? Um, I don't know. Um I mean, I definitely could credit my family, my my mother and my father, for just instilling that in me. They worked hard their whole life. That's all I've ever really seen. But um, I've just always felt like I had something to prove to myself. Um, At times, I just felt like I didn't get the – and it's not even recognition. I just felt like I didn't get the credit I deserved. And that's just me from being a little kid. So it kind of just carried over to where I'm at right now. I heard your dad used to take him. Your dad owned a sheet metal company? Is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. he used to take you in there and make you work? Uh, I never really worked. He used to bring or to help me in. out? Yeah, he just wanted me to see it. He never really wanted me to do what he did. He didn't want me to have to, um, as he would say, struggle. So um, I used to just always see it. And him and my mother did a great job of never, um, you know, making me work, but they always kept me around it. So um, at a young age, me, my brother, and my sister kind of just seen the blue collar work. And you decided that you wanted to pursue football. That was not That was not really the life that you were wanting to have. I don't even think I decided that. I think that that was just destiny. Um, I, since I was a little kid, I just felt like this was my vision and this is where I was supposed to be. And fortunately, um, I got that opportunity and I felt like I made the most of it. I want to talk to you about 2014 when you were entering the draft, uh, the Senior Bowl. You tore your ACL in practice and then you had a, a setback really heading into the draft. Was that probably the toughest thing that you had to go through as a player? Was yeah. working your way back from that after everything you do to, to get to the point where you're getting ready for the draft and getting ready to come into the NFL and then to have an injury like that so close to it? Definitely on the football field. Um, I mean, going first round was a dream of mine. It was something that I really wanted to accomplish, and I wanted to walk in the green, the green room and to see my mom crying and see my family just happy for me. But it didn't happen, and um, it was God's plan. So I'm fully okay with that now, but at the time, uh, it was really difficult just not being able to go out there and compete. Uh, during the draft process, you don't really know where where guys see you at. So it's a lot of guessing, and, and I couldn't go out there and prove myself. I couldn't go out there and run a 40. I couldn't show them how good my footwork was. So it was kind of just a, a leap of faith that I had to take. And um, Fortunately, I got drafted, and I still got that opportunity. So it, it all worked out at the end of the day. I was just going to say it all worked out. You, sp- you had four seasons with the Jags, and then here you are with the Texans. And – you're staying in the same division, so Sunday, the Titans, the first AFC South matchup of, of 2018, you get to face a team that you've got quite a bit of familiarity with. 
Right. I've seen these guys for four years now, so there's really nothing new. These guys are still um, the same in a lot of aspects, a lot of the same players. So uh, we know that they have coaching uh, coaching staff change, but a lot of their philosophies and the way that they play are still the same. And Mariota is still the same. Still the same, Marcus Mariota. Were you born in Nashville? I was. Okay, so do you have a lot of family that are still there that are going to be out at the game, or did you move to Oklahoma pretty soon after that? No, I do. Uh, I moved out of I moved to Oklahoma when I was about ten years old, nine to ten years old, and um, all of my family's still there from my mom's side. So uh, still in uh, Oklahoma or Nashville? Nashville. In Nashville. Yes. Yep. So they're going to come out and see. You got a big cheering section in Nashville. Yeah, that's a big game for me. That's that's the hometown game for me. It feels like. All right, we'll be cheering you on as well. Thanks so much, Aaron Colvin. Appreciate you. That was Aaron Colvin, cornerback for the Texans. He may be taking on a bigger role this Sunday with Kevin Johnson out. And uh, I thought it was interesting that he's going to have a little cheering section. He kind of considers Nashville a home game for him. He's played in Jacksonville. Now he plays with the Texans. But he feels very comfortable in Nashville where he, like he said, spent 10 years of his life growing up. All right. You might want to check out Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers, 12 locations, with three new locations opening soon, Fullshire, Kingwood, and Porter. Their new food truck is custom designed to bring the steak burgers, fries, and frozen custard you love to your event. If you've never had frozen custard, you've got to try it. People are like, custard, frozen custard, what is that? It's amazing. I've had frozen custard. It's one of my faves. And uh, don't just think that Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers is about frozen custard. They've got steak burgers in their name for a reason. Freddy's original double steak burger is a real game changer. Check them out, Freddy's frozen custard and steak burgers. All right, let's get into the second part of this interview. Obviously, we've got uh, the weekly opposing beat writer every week on this podcast, and I get Jim Wyatt on every year. I used to get him on when he was with the Tennessean, and he was the beat writer there, and he's he's just great at what he does. I think the Nashville, that, that Tennessee accent just sort of adds to it. He's super chill, always on top of everything as far as the latest breaking news out of Nashville, and there was a lot to watch This week, they came out of this seven-hour rain delay against the Dolphins. They lost by the same score that the Texans lost to the Patriots, 27-20. Their day was much longer than ours, although ours felt pretty long as well. And uh, they've got a lot of things to watch this week heading into Sunday's game. Now, Mike Brabel came out and said it it could be Blaine Gabbert and Marcus Mariota in Sunday's matchup. You could see both of them. So it's still quite unclear who is going to get the reps on Sunday. I think it's going to be Mariota, but that statement just sort of throws everything off. So is Mariota healthy? Is he not healthy? We delve into all of it with Jim Wyatt from Titans Online. Take a listen. 27-20 loss. The Titans to the Dolphins. You know, it was such a strange game, Jim. The longest game in NFL history by a couple of hours due to rain delays. What was that like waiting for the game to start? What were the players doing? And did it seem to throw the momentum off for either of the teams? It was crazy, and I've covered a lot of games over the years, never covered one like that. I did cover a preseason game in Green Bay in the early 2000s where there was maybe a a two-and-a-half-hour rain delay, and they started back, and the game ended like at 2 o'clock in the morning. But this one topped that by a wide margin because they started playing. You had a lightning delay. There was a two-hour delay. They came back and played, took maybe a – you know, played for a minute, took a quick half, started playing the third quarter. Then there was another two-hour delay. So players – you know, tried to stay loose. They watched some film. They ate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They sat in their locker. Some guys milled around in the bowels of Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, you know, fans, some left. Some stayed in the seats and, and took naps. Uh, something crazy happened where there's maybe an eight, nine-year-old kid ran on the field and 
I think everybody thought it was a joke at first, and then security realized that it was a real thing, and they had to chase a, maybe an eight, nine-year-old down uh, during a break in action. And they finally came back, and, and the game was crazy, too. I mean, the Titans had some injuries. Uh, there were a couple of kickoff returns for a touchdown. There was a, there was a, a fight that broke out. Um, it had it all, and, uh, uh, you know, certainly if you're the Titans, you just hope that uh, you get a little bit more normalcy moving forward and uh, you can play a consistent game uh, starting on Sunday against the Texans. Yeah, you mentioned the injuries. I think that might be the big story coming out is just the significance and the number of injuries that the Titans had in that week one loss. So let's start with Marcus Mariota. He was injured in the third quarter and then replaced by Blaine Gabbert. What can you tell us about his injury and, and what his status is looking like for week two? Well, it's crazy, too, because about the game, I expected some injuries, potentially like pull, hamstring injuries, injuries uh, because of the stops and the starts, and none of them had anything to do with that. Mariota was hit uh, after executing a fake on a handoff. William Hayes, a former Titan, hit him uh, when he did have the ball. Mariota went down. He tried to play a snap. He came out, uh, and they looked at him. Then he came back in, and he just had trouble gripping the ball. He just didn't feel like he had a lot of strength in his hand, in his arm area. They shut him down for the rest of the way. He's been evaluated. You know, it sounds to me, at least hearing Mike Vrabel speak, is that they expect him to be okay. And it was more of a, of a in-game issue for him. Uh, and they hope that uh, it won't be a problem moving forward. All right, so what about the other injuries? Let's talk about Delaney Walker, which – Seems to be a big punch to the gut for the Titans. It led all tight NFL tight ends with 360 catches, four-time team captain. Now he's on injured reserve. How much is that going to affect the quarterbacks? And who steps up in his place? I saw a familiar Texan uh, that got signed there recently. That is correct, and it's a big blow you know, for the Titans. I mean, Delaney Walker's kind of been the heart and soul of this team. He's a three-time pro bowler. He's in his 13th season. They just gave him a contract extension before the year started and and the closing minutes of that game he gets his ankle uh rolled up on and uh and had to be carted off putting an air cast and as you mentioned placed on injured reserve so that's a big blow to the titans and johnu smith is one guy who's going to step up he's a second year guy as a draft pick in the 2017 draft Moore's going to be on him Moore's going to be on luke stocker a veteran uh, Anthony Ferkser is kind of an underdog who made this team out of training camp. He played at Harvard. And then, as you mentioned, Michael Pruitt, who uh, who was with the Texans on their practice squad and certainly has spent some time in the league, was signed to kind of help uh, round out that group. How quickly he gets up to speed, how he fits in, that kind of remains to be seen. But Mike Vrabel obviously has some familiarity with him from his days in Houston, and uh, they feel like he's a guy that can maybe come in and help out. It seems like offensive line is going to be an issue for both teams on Sunday. Lots of injuries racking up there. The Titans' uh, left tackle, Taylor Lewan, was is in the t- concussion protocol. And then right tackle, Jack Conklin, he missed that week one game. How much of a concern is depth at the tackle position if one or both of the Titans' starting tackles can't go in week two? Well, depth was great until those guys went down. And now, now depth is not looking uh, so hot because you're really cutting into – experience and you're really cutting into bodies uh, uh jack conklin has been really a question mark throughout the offseason after tearing his acl in, in new england during a playoff game spent uh you know the training camp on pup came off pup started doing more in practice last week but uh, is he ready to return i mean 
haven't really seen him do a lot, certainly in, in the practices yet. So he's going to have to prove he can be healthy. Taylor Wan um, took a pretty vicious hit and uh, looked like he was knocked out cold in that game momentarily before coming to. And, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel said, hey, I, I'm going to be very careful with him. I don't want him around uh, until he's cleared uh, the steps in the concussion protocol. He's judging that from his days as a player, from people that are close to him, t- former teammates, from his own kids. I mean, so he, he was adamant that he doesn't want Taylor Lewan back and involved at all until he's cleared. So if those guys aren't uh, available, you got Dennis Kelly, uh, who has stepped in and has played, performed well in, in Conklin's absence. You got Kevin Panfield, a guy who can play inside or outside, formerly with Tampa Bay. He's in the mix. They've got some other guys on the roster and on the practice squad they could consider moving around. But uh, it's kind of going to be a waiting game this week just to see who is available, who's able to practice, and just where you might have to go up front. Jim, you've got Mike Vrabel there, obviously, in his first year as head coach. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen since he arrived? Obviously, he's coming from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, but not really as a coach, as a player. So how different or similar is he to those Patriots coaches, and what's sort of his style there in Tennessee? Well, it's been different. I mean, it's the, the look of things on the field is going to be different because he's got a new offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur, who's changing the offense. He's got a new defensive coordinator in Dean Peace who has changed the defense, but not dramatically. You know, Vrabel, as far as what I've seen from him and the changes, I've, I've never seen anything like it from a head coaching perspective. I've date back to Jeff Fisher and was around for Mike Munchak and around for Ken Wisenhunt and around for Mike Malarkey. I've never seen a coach that's got, you know, kind of the energy and the, and the I guess, the moxie that, that Vrabel has. I mean, he, he will run sprints and practices. He'll put blocking pads on take on guys he'll stop practice and sound off if things aren't going the way he wants them to and he's got a presence about him that I think players respect because he's played 14 years in the league and has several Super Bowl rings uh so so he he has a presence about him that I think uh you know certainly builds confidence in the team uh obviously he's going to have to go through uh, you know, some growing pains, and he's going to have to learn some stuff on the fly, and he's going to have to uh, adjust to things in-game, stuff he hadn't had to do before. But uh, I think he's certainly up for the job and, uh, and uh, you know, certainly has, has made a good first impression here in Tennessee. Is he still running those sprints before the game starts on the field? He ru- yeah, he runs from, uh, <laughs> runs from goal line to goal line. That's and, right. Uh, you know, I lost count of how many he did. I watched him in, in Miami before the game, and he, he must have done 20 of them, uh, probably more than that. And, uh, you know, he looks like a player. It's funny, I was I was watching the replay of that fight uh, that broke out on Sunday, and uh, and he was trying to break it up, but he's as big as any of those guys that's, uh, that was in the middle of it. All right, you mentioned the offensive coordinator, Matt LaFleur. He did some nice things with that Rams offense last year. What's that transition been like for Mario in the offense getting uh, LaFleur in there? Well, it's been a process, and I, I think it, people who expected it to look great from the get-go were un, you know, maybe unrealistic because it takes time. Uh, I think Matt LaFleur knows that. I think you know Marcus Mariota knows that. I think Mike Vrabel knows it. And uh, certainly all these guys are perfectionists. They want it to work great at the start. But 
you know, they're going to go through some growing pains there as guys get comfortable in a new offense with a new scheme that includes a lot of new players. I think in the long run, it's going to be good for Marcus Mariota. It's going to be good for the for the Titans. But uh, you know, they they've got to get uh, you know they've got to get up to speed and they got to do it pretty quickly because now the Titans are 0 and 1. They got a you know a Texas team in here that's tough, looking for a win too. After this game, there's five teams on the schedule that either went to the playoffs last year or had a winning record. So you know you can't you can't wait. Uh, for things to develop, you've got to make some things happen as you as you reach uh, where you want to get to. And the Titans definitely signed some playmakers uh, this off season. Let's talk about the defense. Malcolm Butler he had an interception in that Sunday loss to the Dolphins, and the Titans defense did some nice things um, in the red zone. They were able to hold the Dolphins to just one touchdown in those in those trips to the red zone. But how has Malcolm Butler adjusted to that defense? And did any more come out about? all the saga that happened with him in New England? Well, the, you're, you're all right about the red zone. That was the highlight, I think, the red zone and, and the play uh, on third down where they held the Dolphins to two out of ten. And, and Malcolm Butler did have a big pick. He gave up a deep ball, though, and uh, uh, for a touchdown. So he'll have to clean that up. And there's some areas on the defense that are going to have to improve uh, moving forward. The pass rush wasn't as effective as anybody wanted to be. I thought Ryan Tannehill had too much time to find open receivers. Guys made plays. So Titans going to have to be better on defense. And I think they'll improve. As far as Butler in New England, he got so tired of asking about that, being asked about that during the course of camp. And we had a reporter for the Boston Globe come in here and ask him about it. And I think any national reporter asked him about it. He eventually, he, he talked about it and and played along early on, but it got to the point where he just pretty much shut it down and then kind of made a wisecrack about, hey, every reporter's coming in here trying to get their best shot in on me about this play. He hasn't really come clean on anything about what happened, and you can tell he's he's trying to move on. It's definitely going to remain a mystery then, but the rest of us were sort of curious and wanting to know about that. All right, Jim, what about you? What are some of the storylines you're working on for this week for the Titans-Texans game? Well, I think I think it's the offense and just where does the team go from here without Delaney Walker? Because I think it's going to force a lot of young guys to step up. I mean, this team's filled with young playmakers and young targets. Corey Davis is in a second year. Taewon Taylor's in a second year. Tajay Sharp's in a second year. I mentioned Jonu Smith, who's really going to step in for Delaney Walker. He's in the second year. These guys have all got to come together to kind of pick up the slack but with Delaney Walker being gone. Rashard Matthews, I didn't mention him. He's a veteran in the group, but he didn't have a catch uh, on Sunday. So players have got to step up. I think, too, I'm curious to see. The biggest question I got after the uniforms were unveiled this offseason was who's going to get the reps, who's going to get the carries between Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. And on Sunday, it was Deion Lewis. He had, he had the reps, uh, he had the snaps, he had the carries, and was a more productive back of the two. So where does that go? Uh, moving forward. And then, obviously, the questions up front on the offensive line, we talked about it, and defensively, just how's it, how do the Titans generate some more pressure and keep uh, what happened in Houston last year when Deshaun Watson, the Texans, put up 57? How do you keep that from happening again? This is a new team. It's got new players on it, new coaching staff, obviously, but t- a lot of these Titans remember firsthand uh, the issues that Watson gave him when he played, and you got to keep that from happening again. All right, good stuff, Jim. Looking forward to this game on Sunday. Jim Wyatt, senior writer for Titans Online. 
Jim, thanks as always, and we'll see you up in Nashville. Okay, we'll see you here on Sunday. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for us. We're going to face the Titans again later on this year, and, of course, I'm going to have Jim White on again uh, when the Texans face the Titans later on this season here in Houston. That'll be the Monday night game. Super excited about that. That's going to do it for our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to give us a listen or a review on iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher. And appreciate all of you listening. Check us out on HoustonTexans.com. And also, if you haven't had a chance to, Texans Unlimited presented by Verizon. I do that pregame show every day before the – every day. Every game day. Every day should be game day. But every game day before we start, we're on the field. We're live. And uh, if you can, go like Houston Texans on Facebook. You'll get a notification when we're live. And you can always check out our site. But it's a little bit of a moving target. It's sometimes 20 minutes before kickoff. Sometimes it's 30 minutes. We – really start rolling when the players are out on the field in uniform, stretching and, and doing their warm-up. So that's really when you get the latest breaking news on injuries, who's in, who's out for the matchup. If you can, be sure to check that out. All right, like I said, that's going to do it for the podcast, the Deep Slam podcast. Thanks always for listening, and go Texans.